Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view from the front lines. The time for tribal sovereignty is now. That's the powerful message that hundreds of people and organizations, including NRCM, sent this week as Maine lawmakers held a second hearing on LD 1626. That's the bill to restore self-determination and self-governance to the Wabanaki. In fact, I just saw there were eight, 108 live testimonies and more than 1,600 written testimonies in support, at tribal so- uh, of, in support of tribal sovereignty at the hearing. That's just astounding. Um, well, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, and I'm honored to be joined on this episode of Frontline Voices with uh, Molly and Dana, the Penobscot Nation Tribal Ambassador. Ambassador Dana is here to discuss the campaign to protect Wabanaki rights by restoring tribal sovereignty to the Wabanaki tribes, uh, an issue that understandably uh, has been in the news for the past year and actually much longer than that. Um, Ambassador Dana, thanks. thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So I think the, perhaps the best place to start is with just a quick overview of the history of the Wabanaki people and the lands that we call me. Sure. So there are uh, four federally recognized tribes in the lands now called Maine, and and that is split up into five reservation communities. So my people are the Penobscot people, and we're sort of centrally located. And then the Passamaquoddy tribe is the largest, and they have two reservations over in Washington County, um, Madagmigook and Sabayak. And then the Holton Band of Maliseet Indians and the Aroostook Band of Mi'kmaq are up in um, Aroostook County. And it's important when talking about this bill, it has to do with the land claims uh, and the tribes involved in that are the Penobscot, Passamaquoddy, and Maliseet. Um, the Mi'kmaq have, have been very supportive and they're part of the Wabanaki Alliance, um, but they, they were not in that lawsuit. Got you. That's helpful. Thank you. And so for millennia, the tribes in Maine have been uh, good stewards of the land and natural resources here. Uh, Here at NRCM, we've partnered with the tribes on on a lot of campaigns, including eliminating dioxin discharges from craft paper mills, river restoration on the Penobscot, uh, and opposing mining projects most recently up up in Pembroke. Um, Can you just speak a little bit uh, about the tribe's stewardship and con- of and connection to the lands and wildlife here? Absolutely. So stewardship for, for Mother Earth and, and our natural resources, it's really a part of everything we do. So we have our departments of natural resources and in our different tribal governments. And, uh, and we don't see that as a standalone apart department. Uh, they work with, you know, tribal administration across the board. And it's really because of this philosophy and and this real cultural value that's woven into our identity as native people. You know, we're taught through our legends, through our culture, through our upbringing that, you know, mother earth is sacred and that we are her children and, and you treat the earth as though you would treat her mother. So our mother. So when you talk about, you know, the pollution in the river and the mining and, and all of these 
violent, destructive acts, we feel that in a visceral way because we feel as though the earth is part of our family and, and we're connected. You know, it's through these, these cycles of, of life in our cultural upbringing. So it, it's hard to, to kind of separate out our stewardship and, and our nurturing for the land because it really is uh, woven into to our philosophy and at the core of who we are. Mm, thank you so much for that. Um, now let's shift gears to LD 1626. I mentioned that earlier. That's the bill to restore the inherent rights of Wabanaki tribes to self-governance and self-determination. Uh, can you tell us uh, what that means to you and the other tribes? It means a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I'm, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so the, and, and I do have to, uh, you know, acknowledge in your intro here, we were just blown away by the support um, on yesterday in the public hearing, uh, you know, it was over eight hours of testimony and, uh, and the overwhelming majority was positive. So we're feeling very uplifted and empowered. And, and we really feel like Maine is listening, which, which is a great feeling and, and something that, you know, just, just a few generations ago, I don't think my people could have envisioned that the people of Maine would rally around the tribes. So we're, we're very thankful for that. So 1626 is, is really about two really important things. It's expanding tribal jurisdiction over our people, our lands, our natural resources, uh, the waters, and it's having more of a you know, self-determination factor in all those areas. And it's also about strengthening our relationship to the federal government. Those are two areas where the Settlement Act really has oppressed us undermined our rights, undermined our status as recognized tribes. So it looks like a large bill <laughs> and it is, but put simply, those are kind of the two main areas. Um, you know, it's about that self-determination aspect and then that, you know, getting back that relationship that we should have uh, with the federal government. So having access to federal legislation and resources and really um, getting out from under that state control. Mm. Thank you for that's helpful that sort of high level overview. Now the bill, as you said, is is large. It, it includes consensus recommendations from a task force that was convened. Um, what are some of the key components in that legislation that are particularly important, or that you? I mean, they're all important, obviously, but are that you think might be worth raising here? Sure. So the task force, um, you know, we see it as a very successful collaboration between the tribes and the state. And that's not something that's happened a whole lot. <laughs> so we mm -hmm. are, you know, very uh, hopeful that the, the outcome of that work can, can be really heard by people in Augusta and the lawmakers. And I guess the, the, it's important to note that while tribal gaming was a recommendation from the task force. We, we did run that as a separate bill, uh, which the governor vetoed. <laughs> so we have um, a set of recommendations that does not include gaming. I'm seeing in the press sometimes, you know, people are lumping gaming in. Mm -hmm. So in 1626, we have, um, you know, land use, land acquisition, criminal and civil jurisdiction, um, taxation, federal laws that, you know, I spoke a little bit about the language in the Settlement Act that has kept us out from that federal legislation. So, you know, it's really about these different areas and, and um, you know, talking about, you know, take criminal and civil jurisdiction, you know, so this would mean that 
an offender who is not a tribal member on tribal land could be tried in tribal court. Um, you know, talking about land use and land acquisition, you get into the land into trust process, and then making sure that our tribal game wardens have concurrent jurisdiction with state game wardens on our lands. Um, so there's a lot to it, <laughs> but those are probably some of the, um, you know, the, the high points of the bill. Mm. And just shifting to the federal issue that you raised before, I mean, ultimately, this is about fairness and equity. I know early on, when I started um, reading and learning about this, it's just astounding to learn that Wabanaki tribes do not receive the same rights as all the other tribes in the United States. And you touched on that a little. Are, are, is there more you want to say just about some of those rights and what, what they mean? Yeah, absolutely. So the the Settlement Act that happened in 1980 was the result of a lawsuit um, brought by the tribes and the federal government against the state of Maine. And the basis of this lawsuit was that two thirds of the state had been illegally taken from the tribes. So you have the state of Maine coming into these negotiations as the party in the wrong, but also as the party with kind of the most demands about what this agreement looks like. And some of the language inserted by state negotiators um, had to do with kind of undermining tribal sovereignty in the form of blocking us from any federal legislation meant to benefit federally recognized tribes. So we're talking like, Violence Against Women Act, uh, the Stafford Act, Clean Drinking Water Act, you know, all of these laws passed since 1980, we have not been able to take part in. And, and that's certainly, you know, been a, a very big hindrance in our communities. And, and uh, you know, I think for all of Maine too, I, I think if the tribes are really able to take advantage of these acts and, and get resources into our communities, I think it would lift a lot of burdens and, and help a lot of people in our state. Well, let's just shift to Augusta and, and the bill. Why is it um, especially important that the legislature act now, act in this session to restore and recognize the sovereignty of Wabanaki tribes? Yeah, the, uh, land, claim, the land Claims Settlement Act has been studied time and time again. There have been different work groups. There have been different recommendations. And it's been hard, you know, in my position to convince my community we should keep going back to the table, you know, mm -hmm. that maybe this time will be different, that maybe, you know, will be listened to. Um, so I think there's this increasing sense of frustration from tribal communities. Uh, you know, why should we keep going there? You know, I should mention my position as ambassador exists because we pulled our representative from the legislature because this relationship had gotten just to such a sour point. So I advocate for policy. I, you know, I, I help in the halls and I, I'm down there, you know, working these bills, but I don't have a seat in the chamber. And, mm -hmm. and that's just the, the, the route that Penobscot's decided to go. And, you know, I, I think it's important for lawmakers in this moment because historically we haven't had this much support in both chambers. We, we still have some barriers with the governor's office, but there is an open line of communication and we've had dialogue. We've made some good changes together. So I think the time is now in a social justice equity lens, as well as just the, the, the timeliness of the moment. We may not have a moment like this for a while. Mm, absolutely. Um, it, now, is there anything, just as we sort of wrap up, is there anything else 
you'd like to say or that you really want people to know about tri tribal sovereignty uh, for the Wabanaki? Yeah, I think that, you know, this bill really isn't something to be afraid of. I, I think we're hearing some, some fear mongering and some rumors of, well, if the tribes have control of their lands, they're gonna kick us all off of them and, and they're gonna be too strict and the regulations will be too stringent. And I, I think it's important to remember that, you know, the tribes, even if we get all this slate of recommendations passed, we, we would still be governed by federal Indian law. That's kind of the point is to get to where other tribes are. And, and some of those laws are, are very restrictive. So we wouldn't just have you know, carte blanche to, to do whatever we want. We would just be acting you know, in our capacity and our relationship with the federal government like every other tribe does. So I think you know, a, a lot of this narrative of like, well, the tribes are trying to take two thirds of the state back and you know, all these, if you could see you know, where the lands are that we're talking about, it's a very small area of Maine uh, where tribes would have increased jurisdiction. And, and like I said, I, I think it's about fairness and respect and uh, when, when the tribes are doing well, I think all of Maine does well. Here, here. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ambassador Dana. I know, I mean, you just, it was either last night or tonight, you're doing a Portland Press Herald event. And, and it's, I know it's just such a busy time. So we really appreciate the time. And as I said at the beginning, we're honored to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to discuss tribal sovereignty. And I wanted to note that in June 2020, the tribes in Maine formed the Wabanaki Alliance to educate people of Maine about the need for securing sovereignty of the tribes. Uh, so I really encourage all our listeners, everyone listening, to visit WabanakiAlliance.com or follow them on social media to learn more about the issue and really how you can act to support the tribe's call for self-governance and self-determination, as well as actually other bills and legislation that are important. I know there's a um, LD906, a really important drinking water bill for the Passamaquoddy, you know, that NRCM supporting as well. And I just saw an action alert go out on that. So it's, it's not just this, it's a whole range of issues and it's uh, um, lots of great resources on that. Um, so before we close, I just wanted to give a quick update on some of the other environmental news we've been following over the past couple of weeks. Uh, a bipartisan majority of the legislature's Environment and Natural Resources Committee voted 11 to two to support the bill to close the out-of-state waste loophole we've mentioned here previously. And I know the Penobscot Nation is also um, uh, wants to see this loophole closed in particular because it has to do with Juniper Ridge landfill. Um, the legislature's Agriculture, Conservation and Forestry Committee voted unanimously actually to support the bill to expand the state's ecological reserve system. That amended bill, importantly, uh, that was supported by the committee, importantly added language to the list of allowed uses on ecological reserves to include the gathering of materials by members of the federally recognized tribes here in Maine. Um, Governor Mills proposed a utility accountability bill that's being really, as you would imagine, closely watched. Uh, it's clear Maine deserves, needs electric utilities that are leaders uh, you know, across reliability, affordability, customer service, modernizing the grid, especially climate action. Clearly, that's not what we have uh, today. So NRCM is going to be working with our partners in the environmental community to advocate for the strongest possible laws that are aligned with our climate goals. And finally, just a shout out and a congrats to the team at Efficiency Maine 
for being awarded um, the 2022 Groundbreaking Program Design and Implementation Award by the Association of Energy Services Professionals. Wow, I got that, I think, for the Trust Heat Pump Program. Heat pumps are the most uh, efficient or more efficient. They're cheaper to operate and are a key part of meeting the climate challenge. And Maine is leading the way thanks to the team of, at Efficiency Maine. So Ambassador Dana, thanks again for, um, for joining us and for really breaking down this tribal sovereignty bill. And we really hope to see it moving quick for all the reasons we talked about here. Yeah, us too. Thank you so much for the support and thanks for having me. Of course. And always thanks, as always, to our listeners. And be sure to visit nrcm.org or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at NRCM Environment for the latest news and information about Maine's environment. Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.